rest of you can go home. No. Things I don't know what three people I'm talking to. So you all stay and listen, okay? And um, I think maybe you can get something out of this if, if you want to bear with me just a little while. And I will come to my text in a moment, but I just want to set a bit of a foundation and uh, to get where we're going. And I, uh, some of you may recall or have heard in the past uh, information, received some information, seen it, uh, seen it, heard it somewhere in paper, news, about a captain by the name of Scott O'Grady. Now, Scott O'Grady was a Air Force F-16 pilot that was shot down while enforcing a no-fly zone in Bosnia. Six days... O'Grady spent hiding from the enemy search parties. Now he subsisted on worms, ants, leaves, and rainwater that was trapped in Ziploc bags. He said that during this time that he hid and he prayed. Now recounting his experiences later in a book, he described the six days as being one long prayer. From the moment that he was hit, he prayed, God, please let me eject safely. Parachuting to the ground, he prayed, God, please help me land safely. Hiding behind a tree root from a Serbian search party, he prayed, God, please let me survive. While hiding for those six days, he prayed someone would hear his emergency radio broadcast and that he may be rescued. His prayers were answered. He ejected. He landed safely, he remained hidden from the opposing search parties, and his radio signal was heard. Salvation came in the form of a 40-plane armada on orders to rescue the downed pilot. When a marine helicopter dropped from the skies to where the radio signal was being emitted, the pilot saw a man run from the underbrush. Barely had they opened the door when Scott O'Grady lunged inside shouting, Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Today, O'Grady is retired from the military, and he's a student at Dallas Theological Seminary. He speaks all over the nation about this event that happened 10 years ago. In a recent interview, he said these words. He said, if, I, if it wasn't for God's love for me and my love for God, I would have never gotten through it. Now, listen to this. God's love for Scott O'Grady, Scott's love for God. We're going to be talking about living between the bookends of promise. Tremendous bookends of faith, hope, and promise. I want you to listen to the bookends of promise found in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew 1.23 it says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then we turn to the last chapter, the other bookend of Matthew. Matthew 28.19 Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. What is that name? 
That is the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. That's how they baptized in the book of Acts. In every baptismal service they had, they baptized in Jesus' name because He is the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. In verse 20 it says, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even into the end of the world. Living between the bookends of a promise. Matthew puts, interesting if you would, bookends on the gospel bearing his name. He begins with a Jewish Messiah who will save his people. He ends with a global Savior who will reach the whole world. That's the bookends. He begins with an incredible birth and he ends with an incredible resurrection. Oh, come on. When you begin to think of that incredible birth and what that means to you, that incredible birth is great, but that incredible resurrection is even greater because one day we're going to join Him in that incredible resurrection. If you believe that God wants to resurrect, then give Him a good hand clap of praise and adoration. He begins with strangers coming from afar seeking Jesus. He ends with people going into the entire world seeking strangers. But the foremost bookends offered by Matthew are the ones we read. He begins with a promise, Emmanuel, God with us. He ends with Emmanuel promising, Lo, I am with you always. I want you to hear that tonight. I want you to know that He is with you all the time. Regardless of where you are, where you go, what you do, you got a Savior that stands right beside you. Regardless of how bad you feel, you got a Savior right beside you. you got the answer that travels with you everywhere you go. Praise God. You know, I and you, you and I, let's get this right, okay? You and I, I and you. That's kind of like the Holy Ghost. You and I, you and you. <clears throat> Regardless, usins, every bit of us, y'all, we are framed by His promised presence we are framed by his promised presence the godly always have been assured of his presence always it began with abraham people noticed that god was with him genesis 21 he promised isaac i will be with you genesis 26 he promised Jacob, I will be with you, Genesis 28. He promised Moses, I will be with you, Exodus 3. He promised Israel during her pilgrimage, I will be with you, in Exodus 33. I'm preaching to you here tonight. you got a God that will always be with you. you got a God that has given you promises, and we're framed by those promises. God's promised presence frames His people. Before our mothers saw us for the first time, God saw us. After our families lay us to rest, God will see us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He is with us. No matter who you are, where you go, He is with you. 
Brother Fox made a statement to me a while ago. I first walked up on the platform, and I said, you know, I said, between the two of us, we make one person, I think. <laughs> I'm talking about size is hush. Okay? Later on, he looks at me, and he says, I've been with you 19 years, and I've had your back. And he said, I'll have your back till we take us out of here. We got a God that's always got our back. He's a good friend, but we got a God that's always got our back. Hallelujah. The Old Testament called the God who was always there, Jehovah Shammah. The God who is a present help in time of need. Whatever, you're, whatever you may need, we got to help. we got someone who will take us through depression. we got someone who will take us through oppression. we got someone that can take us through obsession. we got someone that can deliver us from possession. we got a God that will always be there, and He will stand there. There is no devil that can touch us. There is nobody that can bring us down. we got a God that will always be with us. Oh, hallelujah. We always speak of abiding in His presence. But His presence abides in us. He is with us if we are with Him, according to 2 Chronicles 15. He is with us if we are with Him. That is the key. God will stand with us, be with us in everything as long as we are with Him. By that presence, we find peace. God told the Apostle Paul when he also told the prophet Isaiah, quit being afraid. That's what he said. He said, quit being afraid. I am with you. Isaiah 41, Acts 18. The same God who spans the Testaments can cross. Hear me. He can cross any divide with you. He can cross any divide with you. Oh, now you need to hear me. I feel like I'm trying to break through something right now. He's going to be with you. I don't care how bad you feel. I don't care what they've said. we got a God that is going to be there. Whatever the presence, whatever the problem, you got His presence. Whatever, whatever health problem, you got His presence. He's going to be there. He's going to lead you through it. He's going to take it away. He's going to... God, take care of those problems right now. Take care of them. Let him know. Let him know. Oh, come on. Give him praise and adoration. Bless him. Honor him. Glorify him. By that presence, we find favor. What do a prison guard and the palace guard have in common? When a blessed young man named Joseph enters into their employment, the favor of God comes down upon them. You know why Boston stays in business? You know why Cook stays in business? Because he employs you. How many others does it employ? I'm not saying this in a, in a prideful spirit, but the reason we keep Owen County above the waters, if you would, 
is because of an apostolic church. Now that's exactly right. It's because God favors us. It's not me, it's us. It's a group of people that want to see as many people go to heaven as they possibly can. It's a group of people out here on the hill that wants to preach the gospel to every creature. By His presence we find promotion. After Moses faded from the scene at Mount Nebo, God took His humble protege, Joshua, and promised that He would be with Joshua and He would exalt him in Joshua 3. Listen, you find favor. You find favor as a result of that because... Because there was a man named Joshua who was willing to follow. There was a man named Joshua that was willing to, to stand behind the man of God as long as it was necessary. And Joshua found favor as a result of it. By his presence we find power. How did twelve ordinary men turn the world upside down? They went everywhere, the Lord working with them, according to Mark 16. How did the lowly, despised nation of Israel shatter her opposition? God was with her, Isaiah 8 and 9. Listen, my friend, no matter what, you can find power in the presence of God. You've got power to overcome the enemy. You've got power to put witchcraft to flight. Oh! tell you folks I, I i know it's already been said but it was the most exciting thing in the world to find out we stirred up hell again we need to have witchcraft coming against us because then we can send that stuff right back and bless the people bless the poor people who don't know any better are you with me I've got a power that's greater than their power. And all they've got to do is understand that is to see what it can do to the enemy, to the demons that come with them. Are you hearing me? Praise God. Praise God. And after they're standing there and all their demons are gone, they say, now I've got a God. Come on now. I've got a God that can show you what real power is all about. By His presence we find safety. Jacob, you're walking into a golden cage, and for the moment you will be cared for, but a Pharaoh will arise and persecute your people. But don't worry, Jacob, God is with you and will bring you back to that promised land in Genesis 28. Listen, no matter where you go, what is what's pushed on you, there's always safety. You may be walking out in the darkness and you may not know the left from the right. You may not know what's 50 yards in front of you, but you got a God of safety. Safety that's right there beside you. You got a God of safety that's moving ahead of you. You got a God of all. He's going to keep you, take care of you. Paul, be at peace. On a storm tossed vessel driven before the storm, God's angel came to that great apostle and said, It's going to be okay. Acts 27, if you want to read it going to be okay, Paul. You know, I don't care how much these waves raise up against the boat. I don't care how much they're slapping it one side to the other. You're going up one wave and coming down into the trough of the other. He said, I don't care. Hey, Paul, if you just happen to forget, I'm the one who treads on the waves. 
I'm the one that walks on the waves. So don't worry about what this is going to do to you. Don't worry. Just be at peace, Paul. It's going to be okay. By his presence, we find completion. God promised a captive Israel that he didn't start this thing to not complete it. Do you think that God has been kidding about this all along? I don't know about you, but when I received the Holy Ghost, that was a supernatural event. And I don't care. Everybody in here, everybody should agree with what I'm about to say in your life. It's a miracle that God got a hold of me. It's a miracle that God got a hold of you. I've been healed. I've seen healing. I've seen all kinds of great things. But the greatest miracle in R. Roberts in the first life is the fact that I spoke in tongues one time at an altar. That's the greatest miracle. There's a letter written to Emperor Hadrian in the 2nd century A.D. It said, These Christians who know and trust their God are prepared for anything that comes their way. For they believe that no matter what happens to them in the future, their God will always be there. Hadrian had it. He had the words. We are framed by his abiding presence. Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 in the message. This is another version of the Bible. I've got one of these. Probably should never got them. But I love it anyway. I check it. Don't worry. I'm not going to get messed up. It says this. You have one master... One faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who rules over all works through all and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Everything is permeated with oneness. Ooh, doesn't that make you feel Pentecostal? Mm. Everything is permeated. I don't know about you, but I'm permeated with one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Come on. I know there's one God who is above all, through all, and in you all. Ah. Our lives are framed by the promises of God. He is Alpha. He is at the start. He is Omega. He's at the finish. Preacher, I'm confident at the God of beginnings. I rest in the God of endings. But it's all that stuff in between the bookends that give me trouble. Mm. You ever felt that way? He didn't want to go. Yeah. You look at me. You ever felt that way, Robertson? You know, all that stuff in between the beginning and the end gives me trouble. It's all those books in between. It's like a flight. You know, I know I'm leaving from Indy, and I'm going to wind up in Palau, but it's everything between that worries me. The opening chapter of Matthew says that God is with us. The closing chapter of Matthew says that he is with us. And between these two bookends resides the most commonly used gospel of the early church. This gospel, like no other, shows the conflict between Jesus and the religious snobs. Matthew reveals the turmoil of a future world and expands the sufferings of Christ. Yet it's in-between stuff that challenges us. It's the in-between. You did run well, Paul said. You started out well, but something hindered you, Paul, is saying, along the way. 
Something hindered you along the way. It's not the beginning or ending, but it's the stuff in between. It's not the plain or the peak of the mountain, Abraham. It's the climbing of the rough side of Sacrifice's mountain. Do you imagine how he felt from the call to go sacrifice Isaac until he got to the altar, to build the altar? He had to climb that mountain. That was the problem. It's right here. He had to think about this all the way up. Twelve noon, twelve midnight. Noon is the middle of the day. Midnight's the middle of the night. These two in-between times can prove difficult. At noon, the prophets of Baal collapsed. Their source was exhausted. They had a good beginning, but they couldn't see it through. They couldn't follow all the way through. At midnight, the five foolish virgins ran out of oil. Their source was exhausted. They had a good beginning, but they couldn't see it through. At noon, Saul of Tarsus was struck down on the road to Damascus. He had gone as far as he could go. His source was exhausted. He had a good beginning, but he couldn't see it through. At midnight, God struck the firstborn of Egypt. Their magicians had taken them as far as they could go, but their source was exhausted. They had a good beginning, but they couldn't see it through. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you a little pastoral talk here. Since this little affliction in my body, I'm tired. I get tired quick. But I'm almost 58. Let me just remind some of you young guys. I can still whoop every one of you. I may wear out, but I'll manage to crawl enough to see it through. Do you understand? And I'm going to see this thing through until God takes me out of here. All right? All right. It's the destruction that wastes at noonday. It's the heat and the opposition when the sun is at its meridian. It's the midlife crisis that humbled David. It's the midnight cry of a coming king. Will oil be in our lamps? Are we alert and prepared? Do you understand that in the in the in between times our source is tested? It's where we are right now. It's our source that's being tested. I love my wife. I love you all. I love my children. But none of them are going to get me to heaven. I will give them everything I can, but first and foremost, I give to Him. And I get all I've got down deep in here. It doesn't matter. I can walk out of here and you can hit me, kick me, spit on me, throw me out the back door. But that does not take away from who Jesus Christ is to me. Nobody, nobody can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Do not allow anybody to take your source. Are you hearing me? The only one that can stop you from making it to heaven is you. The only one that can keep you back from God is you. And you've got a source that is greater than anybody could ever imagine. Do not let anyone separate you from the source. Praise God. 
Have we been drawing on a fountain that never runs dry? Question, have we hidden strength, hidden resources, hidden power? You better believe I do. I've got hidden resources you don't have a clue about. I hope that you've got hidden resources I don't have a clue about. I love seeing people go through it. I've got a couple of you I'm looking at right now. I'm not going to mention your name, that you've gone through pure hell on earth. I know what you've endured. I've been, I've seen it. I've tried to help you, but there were things I couldn't do. But you went through it, and you're still here right now, tonight. You're still here because you had hidden resources. You had a God that stayed with you. You had a God that would never let you down. You had a God that loved you. No! We have great difficulty holding on to the promises of God. Our, our doubt makes our grip weak. Our fear makes the promise slippery. I know a few people fall at the beginning, and a sorrow of sorrow, some will turn aside at the ending, but more people fall out somewhere in between. And I want to tell you, folks, we are, we are quickly moving from the in-between to the ending. We are just right there at the edge right now. This is no time to fall away. This is no time to let the world lure you. This is no time to let hell come in and pull away everything great that God has given you. Are you hearing me? The psalmist speaks of the terrors of the night and the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Midnight and noon, the in-between times gives us trouble. It's the mess at the meridian. It's the halting at halfway. It's the misstep at midway. The uncertainty. In the middle of the garden, Satan asked, Gay, hath God said. In the middle of people's lives, they give up. In the middle of the struggle, they throw in the towel. In the middle, Abraham runs to a strange country. In the middle of Christ's passion, Peter retreats to the fishing hole. Some halfway through Paul's missionary journey, Demas decides that the bright lights are better than what Paul has to offer. Achan, on the cusp of the promised land, said, I haven't got my piece of the pie yet. Don't give up. Whoever I'm talking to, don't give up. Don't give up. Not now. Not now. God has something mighty and great for you. Don't give up. Oh, but I'm just so tired. I have to fight at home. I've got a wife. I've got a husband. I've got children that just that just they drive me crazy. Just let them drive. Let them drive. Let them drive. All you need to do is hide yourself in Jesus Christ. And everything that is said, every battle, everything that comes against you will just fly off and fly away. God has a way of hedging you about. You don't even realize. I want you to trust God with everything that's within you. I I want you to believe that God will never leave you nor forsake you. I want you to trust with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Don't let anything push you away. Don't let anybody tell you you can't make it. Don't let your family say it's not worth it. You tell them, I've got a God that's going to be with me. I've got a God that stands with me. I've got a God that has framed me with His promises. Let me say this so you can understand. Are you ready? Listen. Listen. No sound. No sound. You are going to make it. It's, it's that simple. 
get that in your heart. You are going to make it. Mark does not have it. Luke does not have it. John does not have it. But Matthew, he has it. It is a word. It is a word. Now, this is the word that only Matthew recorded. Are you ready? Are you ready? And Jesus said in Matthew that he would build the church and hell's gates would not subdue it. Matthew had the word. All right? That's something faithful that you can cling to. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Hell cannot subdue the church. Some of you probably remember me telling this story. And I thought of this the other night when Rob was talking. And several years ago we were in the other sanctuary. And I had a, a young man who was in, just got into demonism. Brother Krauss might remember. Um, I won't say his name because I may, somebody might know him. But he, he was going to come to church tonight. I got the word. He's going to come to church and he was going to bind me up. And he came, and of course he didn't. I preached the best I ever preached in my whole life. Still remember that message. <laughs> and right afterwards, I, I went back to him. I said, why don't you come back to my office? I want to talk to you. That was back when I was full of vim and vinegar, young. You know, so I took him back there. I, 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 I probably still would, though. You know, and I told him, I said, if what you're doing, because you know this boy knew better. I said, if what you're doing is so much more powerful than what I'm doing, then why don't you tell your demons to jump on me and whoop me right now? And all he did was drop his head. And I said, you know why you won't? I said, because you're smart enough to know that the angels that I've got around me right now would never allow that to happen. Never allow that to happen. He got out of it soon thereafter. But you see, you understand what I'm saying. We hear all these, I'm going to bind you up. They're not going to bind nothing. They're not careful. They'll be bound up in ways they don't want to be bound up. And you can figure that out, some of you. Some of you may not be able to figure that out. I didn't say anything out of the way, did I? No, okay. Okay, so I'll be sure. <laughs> Someone just now got it. <laughs> I want you to picture a row of standing books. Shake the bookshelf, but the bookends hold firm. And if the book ends hold firm, the book stays standing. If we are upheld by faith in His faithfulness, God in His loving kindness prepares His creation for those in-between times. For the noon, the midnight, and the winter seasons. Understand that. Go home tonight, see some bookends you got there. Shake that shelf. You hear me? And think about it. When you're doing it, I'm one of those books right now. And there is nothing hell's going to do to shake me free. I'm held by the bookends of a promise. Think of the white-tailed deer. Oh, I like thinking of them. 
During the late summer, the deer begins to lose its lightweight summer coat for an ingenious, if you would, winter coat. Each hair of the winter coat is a hollow filament made like a vacuum bottle. Each is uniquely designed to retain the deer's body heat against the cold. And without a conscious decision, the white-tailed deer gets ready for the winter blast. It don't even think about it. It just happens. You see those poor little bambies in the wintertime? Snow's on, you know. And they walk out of the woods and they look like the abominable snowman. All that hair all fluffed up. You know, and they scratch through your yard and eat everything green that's left in your yard that they shouldn't be eating. And, and, and you know, that, but, but in the summertime, that same deer looks like a, it's a runt, you know, it's skin and bones. That same big, big hairy thing that you saw in the winter. Now, it doesn't look like anything at all. And, you know, they did not make one bit of effort on their own to do that. Do you get what I'm saying? That we really don't have to make a whole lot of effort if we're living for God day in and day out. And God just simply coats us with what we need. And regardless of the winter blast, we're going to be protected. Regardless of how hard it comes against us, we're going to be protected. What God does for a deer, will He not do for you? God is faithful. When we feel the chill and the crush, He's there. In one of the weeping prophets' lamentations, Jeremiah said in the message, he said, I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. But there's one other thing I remember. And remembering, I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They've created, they're created new every morning. How great is your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I've got left. <laughs> what else do you need? But I'm, my mortgage is, I'm losing my house. You got God. Where am I going to live? You got God. Come on, you understand that. You, need, you want answers when God has got the answers, but don't look to someone else to give you. Let God open a way for you. Trust Him. Get down and pray. Believe Him. You know, it, it's... And it's another one of those stories I've told over and over again. I'm going to have to quit pastoring here because I'm running out of stories. But... <laughs> Years ago, I heard this one about a lady who was, and this is back in the early churches that, that Adam was talking about, Brother Hill, I'm sorry. I'm trying to quit calling him Adam. It's his heart. I'm you know, weak mind. But, but, you know, she was down in the basement of the church praying, saying, God, I need a loaf of bread, I need a loaf of bread. And a bunch of the young people heard her praying, so they went and bought her a loaf of bread, and they thought they would be real funny. And they come down the door of the, of the, of the basement, and they threw the loaf of bread in there. So the lady turned around, picked it up, and said, Thank you, Lord, and walked out. You can say what you want. God answered the prayer. Okay, he answered the prayer. But the kids did it. Well, so? She never asked the kids. She asked God. If the kids thought they were doing something mischievous, ha-ha. <laughs> the writer of Hebrews said, He who promises faithful, Hebrews 10, 23, what God promises, 
when God, what God promises, He is faithful to perform. We trust in His trustworthiness. I trust in His trustworthiness. I'm going to be okay. You're going to be okay. We're all going to be okay. I don't care. You're saying, I'm hurting in my body right now. Okay, guess what? If you never get delivered in this life, one day if you stay with Him, you're going to have a brand new body that doesn't have one pain. Not one. So why should I say that I can't? Why should I say that I can't when a faithful God says I can? Hear me. When He says I can do all things through Christ Jesus who, <laughs> who strengtheneth me. He says that in Philippians 4. Why should I fear when God has not given me the spirit of fear according to 2 Timothy 1? Why? Why should I be weak when the Lord is the strength of my life in Psalms 27? Why should I give in to the enemy when greater is he that is in me in 1 John 4, 4? Why should I accept defeat when God always leads me in triumph, 2 Corinthians 2, 14? Why should I fret when I can cast my care on him in 1 Peter 5, 7? Why should I be confused when God is the author of peace, 1 Corinthians 14? Why should I feel alone when Jesus said he would be with me in Matthew 28, 20? Why should I? Are you hearing all this? This is God's word. This is his promises, and I am fresh. By his promises. Praise God. Do you remember what Esther said to her uncle Mordecai? Or actually, it's Mordecai. She said, You know the rules. I cannot go into the king's presence uninvited. Esther 5 2. I got good news for you today. Are you hearing me? The king calls for you. The king is calling for you. Stand with me. The king is calling for you. And he tells you, he said, I am with you always. Come into my presence. Listen to me. Listen to me. Give me your attention. God wants tonight to once and for all strengthen your faith in Him. He wants to meet with you. Now, I said God spoke to me about three people. There may be more people involved, but God spoke to me particularly for three people. So if there's three people that come at this altar, it doesn't mean that God's not dealing with you. First and foremost, if you've not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, repented of your sins, or been baptized in the name of the wonderful Savior Jesus then that is always for you. Always. But I'm also believing tonight there is something special for someone who has struggled day in and day out, day in and day out. Struggled. You have fought. You have fought. And it seems like you just, you're right at the end of always throwing in the towel and giving up. And you know, you're that in-between time and we are so close to the end. What I want God to do for you tonight is give you a vision. And I believe that's what He's going to do. He's going to give you a vision of just how close you are to the end and how that He is going to bear you up. He's going to bear you up and He's going to help you and strengthen you. He's going to encourage you and touch you. He's going to be there. If you feel that way, that you need that this altar is open. It's open for anything you need. But I am particularly calling you right now. 
If you need that, I want you to come. Let Him know that you expect Him to give you something great. You're going to clear your mind of every bit of doubt. You're going to clear your mind of every fear. You're not going to allow anything to stop you here this evening. Nothing to stop you. I'm not going to throw in the towel, Brother Robertson. I want to come down. I want, I want my strength. I want my strength back. I want God. more than that, Brother Robertson. I want God's strength to abide in me. I've tried to do this on my own strength, and that's why I feel so weak. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel such an anointing. Oh, would you come? Stand if you feel that way and raise your hands toward heaven. Raise your hands toward heaven. Raise them high. Raise them high. God is going to He's going to give you an encouragement tonight that you've never had since you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He's going to give you an encouragement that you have never had since you have felt His presence and power in that fashion. Would you come? Would you come?